Father, we just want to thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. Father, Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, each one of us will walk with you more and more, even as we receive more of your light. Our convictions will be stronger and our obedience will be greater. Father, we'll be rooted and grounded in truth and in love and we'll also show forth the fruit of the Spirit. For it is impossible, O Lord, to be grafted into Christ and not bear fruit. The fruit of obedience. Therefore, this morning, I pray, Lord, you would do these two works in our life. That you would root us and ground us in the truth. That you would make our convictions stronger. And you will also spur us unto love and good works, which are works of obedience. To that end, I pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of this word and anoint all of us to speak and to hear. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Right, we've been looking at preparing ourselves so that that day will not overcome like the thief in the night. Second Peter chapter 3, we've been looking at that verse, one verse. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. That means whatever you put your trust in, if it is not of God, will melt. Whatever is not going to stand the test of the fire of the judgment of God is going to be wiped away. Therefore, since all these things are going to be dissolved, verse 11 says, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? So, if that day should not um, take us by surprise, we were looking, we were looking at the perfect servant. Um, who then is that faithful and wise servant? Matthew chapter 24. Wise servant, right? <clears throat> Whose master will make him ruler over all, over all his house. But verse 48 says, if that evil servant says in, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And begins to beat his fellow servants and to drink and eat with the drunkards. The master of that servant <clears throat> will come on a day when he's not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of. So <clears throat> this was the um, fundamental verse of the, on, the, on, on which we were um, building this teaching on being a wise servant and not being taken by surprise uh, on that day when Jesus will appear. The world's, I mean, the entire world system, they are not waiting for Christ. They are only waiting for Antichrist. <laughs> it's like they're building the entire system for the Antichrist. You see, it's, it's, they, they, are, they are absolutely not expecting him to come. They, they, they don't factor God. You look at, uh, that's what James says, no? What is your life? 
Uh, we will go to this place and we will go to that place. We will do business in a year and we will do a lot of things. But you know what he says? If it is the Lord's will, we should do this and that. <coughs> because we do not know when he is coming or when our last breath on this world will be. Okay, this factoring in God is doesn't happen in anybody's life. And one of the things that you will see from the life of David, if why is David called a man after God's own heart? One of the practices that he made in his life, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. And you'll see, in and when did he begin to inquire of the Lord? When he was going through real testings and trials and situations in his life, he begins to inquire. For example, uh, remember uh, uh, the Philistines invade Keilah in 1 Samuel chapter 22, if I'm right, 23. And uh, that is when Saul is actually looking for him. And the inhabitants of Keilah say, you know, please David, come and help us. And he inquires of the Lord. And should I go and uh, help the people in Keilah? And God says, go. And then he goes there and he uh, defeats them and he waits there and they, they think that, the, that he's safe over there. And again he inquires of the Lord, will the people in Keilah deliver me up to Saul? And God says, yes. I mean, in, in every place, one of the things that he constantly does, he factors in God in every decision that he makes. You see, that, that is the reason why he's called a man after God's own heart. No, Okay. And after he becomes king also, should I go and fight the Philistines? Yes. How should I fight? Second time, how should I fight? It's a practice. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, this is a very important aspect for all of us. Lord, what should I teach even for me? What should I teach? How should I teach? How should I spend my time? We inquire. What is that? It's a life of constant dependency upon God for his guidance. Of course, sometimes God says, you know what? Like uh, pastors keep saying, right? The way is straight. Keep keep going in this way for a while till I say you have to change course. Then you change course. That's what he says in Isaiah. You will hear a voice behind you constantly guiding you. Turn this way or that way. And that is something which all of us need to practice. To practice inquiring of the Lord. And factoring in God in every decision that we make be it the smallest of decisions as to how to spend time and money and uh, where to send our children to school. All those major, major decisions in life, they look small, but these are very, very, very important decisions that we make. And sometimes we have to walk, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. We'll come to that later on. Therefore, if that day should not take us by surprise, what are the attributes that one, one needs to have is what we were looking at last time. And uh, let's uh, turn to First Thessalonians and read that passage from verses 1 to 10 to put the things in perspective. But concerning times, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves perfectly know that the, uh, that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Meaning you don't know which day is coming, but you know how the Lord is coming. That is very clear. Obviously, you know that he comes like a thief in the night and therefore you are always prepared. You perfectly know. That means there's a kind of a preparation that you are that you're going through. I mean, that you are subjecting yourselves to in order for you to not be taken by surprise when he indeed comes. Right. And verse three, for when they say peace and security, as told you, it will be an environment where everything is normal. Uh, don't take uh, don't take things so too seriously. Even COVID will be called the new normal. Even P2P kids will be normal. Everything will be normal. Vaccination normal. All normal, normal, normal. In that environment of peace and security, beware. What will happen? Sudden destruction will come as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. 
Once the labor pain comes, it's over. You can't do nothing, anything about it. <laughs> okay. And they shall not escape. Birth pangs. It's a, these are all called, you'll see uh, sign, uh, war, the news of wars, rumors of wars, and you'll have fam- famine, pestilences, pestilences, diseases. And what does it say? It is the beginning of what? Sorrows, it says, the translation will use the word, it's a beginning of birth pangs. It's all the beginning. So we, we are living in that day and age. And by the way, a true church is a church which is expecting the lots coming in their generation. That's the church. Because the first church, they were expecting the lots coming in their generation. And every church is constant. Every generation, the church is always being prepared and expecting the Lord to come at any time. So if you are not being prepared, that church is not a church. Oh, Lord will come, we will go through tribulation. Ayo. <laughs> you see, these are all, these are all dangerous uh, uh, <laughs> theologies. Okay, We will not go into the details of those things now. Then what happens? But you brothers are not in darkness, so that that day should overtake you as surprise. He's talking about all of us. You brothers are not in darkness. Who are those brothers? <laughs> what kind of brothers are these? Is important. Hmm? So he's going to define what kind of brothers are those brothers or brethren. Okay, brethren is a new agenda. Who, who is not taken by surprise and is really prepared for the coming of the Lord. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night, not of darkness. Isn't it interesting he has to mention both. That is biblical doctrine. That is biblical teaching. You are this and not that. Nothing in the middle. You should know what is not. And what is? Look at that. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us be watch. Uh, let us uh, watch. Be watchful and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to obtain salvation. Uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whatever. Whatever we do, whether we wake, that we are awake or we are asleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore, comfort. What is comfort? It is not saying, oh, you, no, that is not comfort. Fortify each other. Comfort means coming alongside of each other and fortifying each other. Like building the walls, like Nehemiah built the walls and fortified Jerusalem, the city and the, and the temple. You also come alongside each of each other and fortify and strengthen each other by spurring each other unto love and good works by coming together more often, even as you see the day approaching. So if you summarize the teaching of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 1 to 10, we see, we see that there will be an environment of peace and security apart from God. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a false environment. Okay. There is only one way to have peace and security. Hmm. What is that? Having been justified by faith. Ah, we have peace. That's it. A man is justified by faith. Ah, thank you. Alone. <laughs> it's not there in the Bible, but we'll add it. No problem. Okay. Alone. That's the meaning. Alone apart from the works of the law. Okay. Peace and security apart from that's the environment. And in that environment, he's saying, understand your identity, that identity that you are what? Sons of light and sons of day. Then you are not of darkness and not of night. And then it says, be sober. Was the third lesson he says, be sober and watchful and not asleep. 
Fourth, be battle ready. Putting on the breastplate of hope and love, uh, hope and love, and for a helmet, the hope uh, of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And verse five, the fifth lesson: know that you are not objects of wrath, but salvation through Jesus. These are such, such potent p o r t e n t lessons for us to understand and learn. Last time we looked at what is peace and security. There is no peace and security apart from God. We understand that. Um, Today we'll go to another lesson, which is the understanding of who we are in Christ. You know, there are seven uh, identity. I mean, seven dimensions of our identity. What First uh, Peter chapter uh, two will talk about? Yeah, you are what a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, etc., etc., etc. To declare the works of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous lights. But something very important is being mentioned over here in the light of what we should be, so that that day will not take us by surprise. That's the idea here. Okay. So what is it? Understand the first thing that you are all sons of light. What is that? Sons of light, okay. If you are sons of light, what are you? No, no, I understand. Light, exactly, thank you. If you are sons of light, you are light. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Everything after it's... Ah, it's kind. That's the rule. Okay. Sons of light... Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, for you were once in darkness, you were not dark, you were not in darkness, you were darkness. Mirandakaram. <laughs> you are darkness once upon a time. Okay. That's, in other words, in other words, wherever we go, darkness was there. We, we dispel light. <laughs> that was our identity. I mean, it's a powerful verse. That is the reason why Jesus says, you are the Light of the world. Like a city that is upon a hill. You are not going to show the light to the world. You are the light of the world. That means your light should shine. Let your light show sign. That they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So in other words, there is something. These are are not called works of righteousness. Works of righteousness have to be done in secret. Works of light have to be done. So that everybody might. What does that one work of light will come to that later on. That is one work of light which is so distinct of a believer or of a Christian. That you that will show you that you are the son of the light. We'll come to that. For you were once darkness, but now you are light where? In Christ. Okay? So that is what has happened. You are once darkness, now you have become light in Christ. And how did that happen? How did that happen? Let us see. Second Corinthians chapter 4 will talk about this. Okay? Verse 3 onwards, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. How to know that people are perishing? They will not understand the gospel. They are not interested in the gospel. Then that is, how, that is how you know that they are perishing. They are veiled and they are perishing. Whose minds, the God of this age. Notice the word, it doesn't call the God of this world. Ah, there are two, yes, there is a prince of the power of the air. It calls a God of this age. You know what that means? This means, it means these are people who are trapped not in the eternal, but in the temporal. Their life is totally concerned with what we should eat and what we should do, what we should go. Absolutely blinded to the eternal and so, so, so sensitive to the temporal. 
You know what Peter, Paul says in Ephesians? That in the ages to, not in the age to come, in the ages, in the eons to come, that is going to be, my goodness, I don't, I can't even imagine what ages will be. Okay. Six, maybe six, six thousand, six thousand five hundred or seven thousand years, let's say is a time of, is a, is a, is a, is this age. This one age. Ages? You see. See, that is what he's saying. What has the God of this age done? That is the reason why, who are those people where the word of God gets choked? These are the people. Ah. What happens? The cares of, no, not, not the world, of this age. Of this age. The cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches. What has, what has happened? It has come and choked the world. They are not people who are concerned about eternal things. They are people who are concerned about temporal things. Are they bad people? Not necessarily. That is the reason why he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus of all the people, we are the most miserable. If you want to see a miserable Christian, see a Christian who is trying to have a great life on this on this side of eternity. That is the reason why Jesus says, if you find your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life, you will find it. And what does what does Satan do? He will steal. He will kill, he will destroy by making you find life now and not then. That is the reason why Paul says, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. How is he being renewed? As we look at things which are what? Invisible. Okay. So for the things which are invisible are temporal, things which are invisible are eternal. Transient. The passing pleasures. You see? So that is what happens. What, what ha- how do you know that you are a son of light? First, you were blind and now you see. First, first step is blindness to sight. What is that? Blindness to sight. Then sight to insight. Hmm? Blindness to sight, sight to insight, insight to vision, vision to reality. That is your life. Blindness to sight, sight to insight, insight to vision, vision to reality. What is reality? Eternal is reality. What did Abraham see? The the eternal things, the city whose founder and the builder and maker is God and not Sodom. That is what we are talking about. Life of, not just not, life uh, (laughs) of blindness to sight, sight to insight, insight to vision and vision to reality hmm. this is the life of a believer who sees the eternal and what does what does what does uh, moses do he refused when moses came of age it says when moses came of age meaning it's a very important word when he came of age means he refused to be controlled by the value system of this age understand that he came off age means he refused to be controlled by the value system of this age. And he says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What not a very easy thing to do. Because mothers who are Pharaoh's daughters, sometimes they will say, you know what all I did for you? You could become prince of Egypt. These are dreams that I had for you. And you are going to go and associate yourself with Slaves. <laughs> and you know what he says? He chose rather to suffer affliction. 
for the whom? For the people of God. Than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Why? Because he saw the one who was invisible. That is what we are talking about. What? Blindness to sight. Sight to insight. Insight to vision. Vision to reality. That is a real thing. Okay? So, who is the son of light? You are coming off this age. You are refusing to be compromised and you are saying, you know what, I do not want to be conformed by the patterns of this age. That's the word. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world is what KJV says. NKJV actually translates the Greek word which is eon, not cosmos. Eon is time. Okay. So whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe? That is, they are faithless people. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. There are loaded sentences. You know, just to unpack this, we'll take a long time. I'm not going to unpack it. Maybe another lesson. We'll just unpack that one word, one verse. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves for your sakes, what? Uh, Bond servants for Jesus' sake. Okay? For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God where? In the face of Jesus. So what? how do you know that you are a son of light? You understand what is true values. If you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 20, verse uh, 9 and 10 if you will, please. Yeah, maybe you can press, just read verse 20, 10, uh, Peter. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10 or 9? 9 maybe. 9? What does it say, 9? No, no, 10. And diverse weights and diverse measures are an abomination to the Lord. Weights and measures. You know what what the the word for weight is? In the Hebrew glory, yes. Weight and measures. The world has got different standards. Yesterday I was talking to the children, I was saying, when you go into the world, girls learn to be girls, boys learn to be boys. We are living in a generation where a man can become a woman and get the woman of the year award. Yeah. I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not joking. It's true. This is the generation we are living where the man has become the woman of the year. Unlike all the Olympics, the 2021 Olympics, I mean, 2020 Tokyo was unique. You know why? Because they allowed a transgender athlete. They allowed it. They allowed it. It's un- un- unbelievable how things are changing. I don't know which category <laughs> they put him. I'm not. You, you know that? Yes, absolutely. You know, you know that, right? It's very strange things are happening. It's injustice, absolutely. Because you are not being fair to the woman, actually. <laughs> you see? It's absolute diverse weights. The glory of God, the weight of God, we don't want it. The standards of God, we do not want it. As long as we are comfortable. I'm not harming you, you're not harming me. The problem is, it's not about that. By making the very decisions you are making, you are going to harm the society. You see, 
That's what I'm saying now. You oppose yourself <laughs> by not behaving the way that God wants you to behave. Because he's the maker. Just imagine, no? I, I have a mobile phone that was gifted to me. An iPhone. Just imagine if I use it as a, a cutting plate. A cutting board. To cut vegetables. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you see? Can you, oh, it's iPhone. It's been tested. Oh, they have done it. All kinds of testing on it. What kind of testing, Sami? Water testing. Yeah, drop testing. All testing it has done. And therefore, I can use it as a cutting board. What nonsense. So what is happening? You are opposing the, the purpose for which the iPhone has been created. There's no point appreciating the, the, the features of the iPhone. It doesn't make any sense at all. You understand? So he says, there's a weight of God. So who is a person who is of the light? He understands the standards of God. And if the entire world is opposing those standards, he says, I don't care. Because what God says is right, is right. What God says is wrong, is wrong. What God calls male is male. What God calls female is female. What God's righteousness is righteousness. What God what God calls unrighteousness is unrighteousness. You know what, what is happening? In, 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 it, it, we are going to live in a world where they, will call, where they will call darkness as light and light as darkness, good as evil, evil as good. Totally. They will mix the standards of God and we have no idea exactly what is right and what is wrong. That is the reason why, you know what God tells about Nineveh? These are the people who do not know their right hand from their left hand. They don't know. Sin what is sin? They don't even know. Are you a son of light? Do you know what the standards of God are? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And what is that one thing which hinders us from getting that knowledge? <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1. That's the gospel. Let us see what Peter says. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Hmm? Because all flesh is as grass. Ah, <laughs> all the glory of the man is as flower of grass, flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And look at what it says in the next verse. This is the word which was preached to you through the gospel. What does the gospel essentially, essentially teach you? Every standard of man is a worthless standard, is a fading standard. Like Pastor was saying, the world and its lusts are passing away. And when we look at the world, we are thinking that it's only getting better. Huh. No, 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 they are not. Upgraded systems. Upgraded demons also. Demons 2.0. I remember that movie Matrix, no? The agents will come. In the first part of Matrix, the agents are, you know, the best agent is Agent Smith. And the next part, next series, the stronger agents will come. And you know what? When Neo is fighting them, he says, oh, upgrade. See, cause them. <laughs> you see, the demons are getting also, also getting upgraded. Hmm? Because they are using the technology that man is using. <laughs> they have no, no knowledge as to how to build technology. It is man who is giving them that, all the technology into their hands. You know what it says? Romans calls them inventors of evil. Invention, it's not... See, he doesn't call it invention is evil. No. Inventors of evil. That means invention is neutral, but the inventor is huh, messed up. So all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is as a flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord 
endures forever. That means a person who is a person or a son of light, he understands what is eternal standards and what is temporal standards. And he goes for the eternal one. This is the word that was preached. And what is that? What is that fading? For example, what are those fading glories that people trust in? <laughs> Let us see. James has a fantastic way of cutting your heart. No, that is the reason why they got so upset with James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James or the epistle of James. They got so upset with him. They took the, took him to the top of the the mount uh, of the mount with the pinnacle of the mountain, and they threw him. And they killed him like that. Because he was a straightforward guy. Hey, if you have faith and no works, your faith is dead now. Hello, I'm being justified by faith alone. No, 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 no. Please don't. Don't hide under that false garb. You show me your faith without works, I will show you show you my faith by my works. Please. They got so upset, man. Especially the justification by faith alone party. Luther, Luther also got very upset with James, by the way. You know that, right? If you read church history, they were not, they were not always all kosher. <laughs> they had their own idiosyncrasies, if you will. Hmm? So, sons of light. Look at what James has to say. James is cutthroat. <laughs> look at what he says. Let the lowly brother, James chapter 1 verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his, in his exaltation. Hmm? But the rich man in his, what should he glory in? Not in his humility. That he was humiliated. How many of you get glory when you are humiliation? Ah, today I am being humiliated. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Nobody says. <laughs> because as a flower of the field, he passes away. Who? The rich man. He is trying to tell us what exactly the, the gospel is. When First Peter talks about the fading glory, right? Rich man, please glory in your humiliation. What is humiliation? Job was a man who was self-righteous. Rich in a self-righteousness. And he says, I saw you, I mean, I heard you about the hearing of my ear. Now I see myself and I abhor, I mean, I see you and I abhor myself and I repent in dust and sackcloth and in ashes. What is happening? He's glorying in his humiliation. Isaiah sees <laughs> the Lord high and lifted up. Five chapters I wrote, I thought I was the best. I was pronouncing woes left, right and center. What to you? 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 And I went to the temple. Oh, woe is me. No. Gone. <laughs> woe is me. Woe to all of you. <laughs> no, he doesn't say woe to all of you and woe is me. No. He starts woe is me. I dwell among, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among the man, people of unclean lips. What has happened? He's glorying in his humiliation. He's absolutely glorying in it. My God, thank you that I'm a good for nothing fellow when compared to God. My righteousness is a filthy rags when compared to what he is glorying in his humiliation. How many of us glory in our humiliation? God has to humble us. <laughs> Rather, humiliate us. <laughs> many times. And God humiliated me many times. Okay, I'm good. Now I take it on my stride. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I remember when I was in GSS. I was sitting on the chair and I was going like this. The church chair broke. Right in front of everybody, you know. The pastor just came down like a pack of cards. And I said, Lord, thank you, Lord. You humiliated me. Really, honestly, I said that. Glory in your humiliation. Why? For no sooner has the sun risen. Who's the sun? When God's righteousness will rise, what will happen to your righteousness? It will burn. 
You know what will happen on that day? On that day, your works will be tested by the fire of God. By the glory of his appearance, it says. The glory of his appearance. And what will happen? It will burn. And it will wither. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. <laughs> so the rich man also will fade away in all his pursuits, my dear brothers. Therefore, we should say with A.W. Tozer, pursue God. Pursue God. There is no other pursuit in this world which will keep you humble other than the pursuit of God. Because the more you pursue God, the more you will abhor yourself the more you will repent in sackcloth and ashes and the more closer to God you will become and the more eternal values you will adhere to. And the more you will be hated by this generation. Understand? Rich man's pursuits. So who is a rich man? Just not money. Look at some of the rich richness. Daniel chapter 4. This great man. Who is this? When rich man, Nebuchadnezzar, wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you and break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing. I know you follow your, I mean, he didn't say you follow. You're a merciless fellow. One day you got a dream and because, just because people could not say what your dream was, you wanted to kill all the wise men. What is this? You know, you, you, in other words, you took your authority and you slaughtered people left, right and center with your authority. What kind of a guy you are? And when I came and gave you the interpretation of the dream and told you that the, 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 the golden kingdom is you, Babylon, what had happened? You made a ah, one statue completely gold. I'll be living forever. And you all have to bow to me when the music starts. Psychophant symphony. <laughs> I told you, no? Those days I used to watch that movie, no? This fellow is a politician. Muchalamug. Muchalamug, you should A politician will come, you know, everybody comes to the politician to get favors, no? And they will start flattering the politician. So he has a guy who plays him Rodangam next to him. And that fellow will have a flower in his ear, Chavalopuvu, basically. What does it mean? I know what you're doing, you're flattering me. And so whenever this fellow who wants a favor from the politician begins to flatter him, this fellow starts a psychophant symphony. And the more he flatters him, the more louder he plays the Mrudangam. <laughs> See, that's exactly what happened to even Nebuchadnezzar. He was on a ego trip. Daniel, you're a great man. The spirit of God rests in you. I'll make you the prime minister of my country. But you know what? The entire thing will be gold. I will give my dream my own interpretation. See? It's pride. Richness. And that guy, that guy had to be humbled how many times? Not humbled. Humiliated. How many times? Till seven times pass over you. Seven means perfect humiliation. How many times did uh, did uh, jo- Jacob bow before Esau? Seven times. How many times did Naaman go into the waters of Jordan? Seven times. You follow. I know you follow. You are so proud. You wanted somebody to go, come and do some magic on your uh, on your what is that? On your uh, on your on your yeah on your dress and heal you. No no no. God doesn't do tooth malish. He will expose you completely. 
Take off your clothes, go into this Jordan, dip yourself seven times. Not six times, seven times. Oh, were there not so many other rivers in Syria that I could not dip there? Exclusivity of the gospel. You know what? Whenever the gospel is exclusive, it is by faith alone, through Christ alone, that you will reach the Father. There is no other way. People get upset. By my good works. Only one, one river. What is that river? What is that called? What is Jordan? The river of deaths. You go there and die to yourself. How many times? Seven. I know you fellow. You will not die. You die hard. <laughs> you have to die seven times completely. Yes. Perfectly. He's a rich fellow. Humiliated. And then one day after seven seasons pass over him, he says, Baba, <laughs> those years that you made me king sufficient for me. You are God who rules and you will give your kingdom to the basest of men. You know what? In that he is acknowledging that I am what? I am that basest man that you gave me to be the king of Babylon. He was not talking about the other people who is going to come after later, uh, later after that. He's not talking about the media Persian Empire or the Roman or the Greek Empire or the Roman Empire. He was talking about himself, the basest of men. That means, in other, in other words, without you, I'm a beast. You are. I have. If I lose the touch of God, I'm telling you, my, my dear brothers, if we lose the touch of God, we'll become like animals. We do not want to be like that. That is the reason why God created both man and animals on the same day, sixth day. All from the dust of the ground. In other words, he was telling man, you lose my touch over from your life. You will become like a beast. I gave you the authority to rule over the beast. What is ruling over the beast? Ruling over all the beastly attitudes in your life. To rule over them, I gave you dominion. But instead of doing that, you will become just like them. You will become like the basest of creatures. And you will become begin worshipping them. And what you worship is exactly what you will become. <clears throat> am, I right? am I right? That's what it says, right? Those who worship them will become like them. Okay, so he says, cleanse your, break off your sins by showing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of your tranquility or peace or prosperity. Many translations will use the word. Rich people. Hmm? What does Jeremiah say? Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. So what is the richness for a wise man? Degrees. And you see, the more you study, the more narrow you become, isn't it? See, engineering is very broad. MBBS is also very broad. Then as an MD, M surgeon, you're becoming narrower and narrower and narrower and narrower. Actually, you become narrower even as you progress in your learning. And what are you, what does what does that what 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 does what does it make you? It makes you into a person who's so proud about narrow things. Hmm? Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. That is the reason why when people have any questions about God, they go to what scientists. What do you think about this? Do they have the touch of God over their lives? No, nothing. Not even theologians. Unfortunately. I mean, uh, there are very few theologians I know who are real, genuine theologians. <laughs> the others are all pretenders only. They think that they know God and they know nothing about God. They may be knowing a lot of things about God, but they do not know God. There's a sea difference between, between the two. What is that? What's his name? Solomon had a lot of knowledge about God. 
David knew God. See the friends. You read the book of Psalms, my dear brothers, every Psalm has got an attribute. He appreciates these things about God. Lord, but you are like this Lord. You are like, how did he know it? Because he did not know about God. He knew God. That is the reason why he says, the righteous, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall bury. What does it knowing mean? Yada in the Hebrew, which means intimate knowledge. The right, righteous people and God have intimacy. They have intimate communion with each other. And that is how they know each other in relationship and through relationship. Understand that? So, let not a wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man, mighty man, glory in his might. Why? Why does the rich man, why should, let, let not the mighty man glory in his might? Your strength is useless. We'll come to strength later on. But look at the rich man. Rich man glory in his riches. What is a what is the danger of a rich fellow? Turn to Psalm 49. I didn't put it here. Sorry, I just apologize. Psalm 49, if you will. You know that, right? <laughs> you know that Psalm. <laughs> if you were in my class, <laughs> that Psalm will be mentioned at every given opportunity. <clears throat> Verse 6 to 7, Sami. Somebody can read it. Okay. Is it there in your Bible? Did you put it up? Yeah. It's, this is what I'm reading in the ESV. You can put it ESV maybe. Yeah. Those who trust in their wealth or in their riches and boast of the abundance of their riches. What do they do? They trust in their riches. And they boast in the abundance of their riches. And verse 7. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price for his life. For the ransom of their lives is costly and can never suffice that he should not, that he should live forever and never see the pit. So what does a rich man think? What is the deception of the rich man? He thinks that he can ransom himself through the riches that he has obtained. Deception. That's what it's saying, no? Honestly, no, it's very difficult for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Very difficult. You can count in the very, 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 very few people are rich and humble. Okay. Then don't let the rich man glory in his rich richness and let not, but let him, verse 24, who glories glory in this that he understand and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. In other words, if you are rich, you should be a guy who is rich in loving kindness. That is true riches. If you are rich, you are a guy who should be rich in executing judgment. If you are rich, you should be a guy who is rich in righteousness. That is that is eternal riches. For in these I Delight. A delight. Hmm? Therefore it says in First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, For you see your calling, brothers, that not many wise people, according to the flesh are called, right? And all the stuff. Hmm? Why? 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 Not many mighty, not many noble, etc. God has chosen the weak things. God has chosen the foolish things. God has chosen the weak, base things of this world. And he says, which are dis- things which are despised to bring, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. Okay? 
Why? Isaiah chapter 31 will talk about this. Okay, let us see. Let us read this. Hmm? Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise. Who is wise? God. <laughs> and will bring disaster. <laughs> He's going to bring disaster. And will call back, and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity. Who's the help? Egypt is their help. Yeah. And then goes on. Now the Egyptians are men, and they are not God. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. What is real strength there for? Spirit. What a statement. Egyptians, in, in other words, what does Egypt stand for? This is the value system of this world. The best of the value system of the world is the best the man can get. Triple six. Six, six, six. Yeah, incomplete man actually. Because that is, however try, however much he tries to be perfect, he will always fall short. That is the reason why the, when the rich young ruler comes, what does God say? Jesus say, go and keep the commands and God, he enumerates, what commands? He enumerates what? Six. And then he says, I was keeping all these things right from my youth. And he, God says, Jesus says, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect, that is Matthew chapter 9, not Luke's, Luke's gospel. It is in Matthew chapter 9, uh, not, not Luke 18, it is Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler's response is, Good master and Jesus says good, etc. And he says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to be whole, sell all, give it to the poor and come and follow me. Okay. So it's not, still not complete. You see, six, six, six. Whatever he tries, he only can become triple six. He will only be two thirds. What is two thirds? 66.6%. One third will be still missing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you see, one third will still be missing. In other words, he will reach only halfway. <laughs> because two out of three is in the middle, right? Dovika kutta nagarka nagatka. You see, you will only reach halfway, Baba. You will never be able to reach the standards of God in all your so-called completion. Egyptians are men and not God. Okay. And horses are flesh and not spirit. That is the reason why he says, do not go down to Egypt to multiply horses. Don't go down. He tells the king, don't multiply horses, don't multiply women. And what does Solomon do? He multiplies horses and he multiplies women. He does exactly what God doesn't want him to do. And I believe that Deuteronomy chapter 17 was written for, with keeping Solomon in mind. Solomon is going to come. It's prophetic. One day Solomon is going to come. You are going to make a king for yourselves, you fellas. And then there's going to come, come a king Saul called Saul. I'll give you, give you in my anger and I will take him away in my wrath. And then will come David, a man after my own heart. But he will also break my heart in some way. And then will come Solomon who will completely break my heart. And he will do exactly what I asked him not to do, even though he knows what he should not do. Don't go down to Egypt to multiply horses and do not multiply women. The first thing he does, he goes and multiply horses by going down to Egypt and he marries the daughter of Pharaoh. What defiance, man? What defiance? 
You see, there is a danger now of incredible wisdom. The problem is if you are a smart fellow, you think your smartness will justify you on the day of, I was very smart. So what? <laughs> what? I was so intelligent. So what? You see, if you look at the life of Jake, uh, Joseph, never in the Bible it talks about the intelligence of Joseph. He talks about the character of Joseph. He never talks about the intelligence of Daniel. He talks about the character of Daniel and it says, God gave Daniel and the three Hebrew children better wisdom, better knowledge than the other people and they always glorified God. Talks about wisdom of Solomon, but never his character. Solomon's wisdom, who came? The queen of Sheba came. Bah, look at the fellows who are dressed in your coat. Look at the food that you are eating. Nobody told him how that food came. That fellow was taxing the entire country to eat sumptuously. And you know how many animals were getting slaughtered to feed his table? His lifestyle, his lavish lifestyle. See, it's danger. Danger, 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 danger. Therefore, we should run after character and this is what we have to even help our children to be. I'm not looking at your intelligence or your smartness. If you are intelligent and smart, you are boy. One greatest danger you have is that you will become a proud fellow. I'm not saying that our children should not be smart and not intelligent. No, please, please, please. Don't misunderstand me. Okay, don't misquote me. <laughs> I'm saying that we should teach our children in sp- to glorify God and saying, Lord, I want to be under. I want to be under. I want to be under. Alright? Sons of light, sons of light, sons of light. Amen. John 3. So how do we become sons of light? Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless and until you you are born of the spirit and of water, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then he says, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be Lifted up. So how do you see the glory of God? You see the glory of God on the cross. The standards of God. The mercy of God. The love of God. The kindness of God. And the long suffering of God. And the righteousness of God. And the holiness of God. And the st- righteous requirement of the law. Where was, where was it met? It was met on the cross. Everything was met on the cross. That is the standard of God. That is a standard that we have and no other standard in our life. That is in the face of Jesus Christ. That is the reason why the hymn writer says, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love from mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, nor thorns compose so rich a crown. Hmm? Alright, and then, John's Gospel chapter 3, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men loved darkness because their deeds were evil. But everyone practicing evil hates light and does not come to the light. Why? Because he doesn't want his deeds to be exposed. Other translations, you will use the word, KJ will use the word reproved. You know what reproved is? What? To be corrected. To set a right. Hmm? He doesn't like people correcting him. But what does Ephesians chapter 5 say? The same place he says where you are not darkness but you are light. What does he say? 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Reprove. Bring it to light. Don't hide. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes will obtain what? Mercy. But all things, verse 13. So, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. That means there is nothing secretive about your life. There is only one thing which is secretive about your life, your secret life with God. That is secretive. Nobody knows. It is your giving. Nobody knows. It is about your prayer life. Nobody knows. It is about your fasting life. Nobody knows. That is the only thing which is secret. All the other things are what? Made manifest. There is nothing called guile. There is no hypocrisy. There is nothing. You are not trying to hide under light. You are not an angel of light. (laughs) Hiding your schemes under the guise of light. Hmm? Understand that. So, how do you, how does one know that he is not uh, uh, walking in darkness, but he is a son of light? Okay. How does, how does one know? What are the practical implications of a person who knows that he is a son of light, right? Let us look at that. 1 John chapter 2. Let us read that and verse 9 onwards. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother. He is until, he is in darkness until now. <laughs> he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. You know, I like that. I wanted to circle this. There is no cause of stumbling. You know what the word for stumbling is? There is no cause of offense in him. In other words, he never gets offended. You know why? He trusts his brother and he also allows his brother to trust him. There's a there's a there's a there's an outworking of this. Okay, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because he is because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And what were Pharisees? They were envious and they hated Jesus. And you know what God calls him? Jesus calls him. They are blind, and they are then the blind are uh, they are blind, and those who follow them are being led by the blind, and they, both of them will fall into a ditch. They do not. They do not know where they are going. They are blinded by envy and jealousy. There is no cause of envy. There is no cause of jealousy. There is no cause of stumbling. And you get corrected. You absolutely take it positively, and you love that brother for actually uh, correcting you because that brother has made you like iron sharpens iron. Isn't it? See, there is no uh, place for uh, what do you call peripheral. what do you say? Frothy relationships in the in the kingdom of God. Relationships have to have to really go deep. Understand that, okay? So, <clears throat> how does one do? One John chapter three. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his bro- brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. This fellow was showing. It's like this, no? One guy is a topper in your class. Initially, you were the topper. You were 80%. And you thought they were the top top megapan of your class. And suddenly, one fellow comes into your class and he is getting always 100%. What does that fellow make you? He shows the darkness inside of you. So the best way to, 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 <laughs> to, to, to improve yourself is to become like him. No? Follow him. 
But what does Cain do? Murder. So that everybody will say, I am the best. We don't want competition. We eliminate competition. You see? We eliminate competition. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and he spreads slander is a fool. And whoever is angry with his brother without cause is also a a fool. Why? Because anger rests in the bosom of fools. (laughs) Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but what does love do? It covers. You know, how do I know that you are a son of light? When you cover somebody and not expose him. Hmm? This is sincere love. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. You know what the word the, through the spirit is not there in your, in your new translations anymore. They have removed it. It's eliminated completely. Okay. So irritating sometimes, no? I like ESV and I also hate ESV. I don't hate the Bible. I hate the ESV. Okay. There's a lot of difference. There's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> It's, it's not there in the ESV. Okay, ESV, NIV, NASB, all these have taken away. And you omit, it says. Hmm? Through the spirit, in sincere love for the brothers, love one another fervently with a pure heart. In other words, have the best intentions and interests of your brother in your heart. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, consider, sorry, Philippians chapter 2. He says, considering the other's persons better than you. Understand? So how do you do that? Let us see one example. One example which I love in the Bible and which I also get irritated because I don't see those characters in me. But you know what? The Bible shows this is what is God's requirements and God's standards. And through the Spirit, He's able to purify our souls unto a pure love for our brothers. How does it happen? Let us look at an example. Let us look at an example. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1 onwards. Favorite, okay. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of John, the, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Not the soul of Jonathan. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Who got the victory? David got the victory. Who got the glory? David got the glory. They all said, especially the girls said. When the girls say, even men got it. <laughs> they get really upset. No, whenever the girls speak, the men get upset. Hmm? Meligo. Hmm. Saul took him that day and would not let him go go, uh, go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And look at what he does. This is ultimate, okay? I mean, this is what really, really blows my mind away. Okay? And Jonathan took off his robe that was with him. Gave it to David. With his armor, even his sword, his bow and his belt. You know what he's saying? I'm laying down all my weapons and I'm recognizing the anointing in your life and I want you to be my leader. Amazing, isn't it? In other words, I have your 
best interest in my heart. I see the echo. There is no place for envy at all in his heart. You know what Jonathan means? Yonathan. Yehovah has given the gift of God. That is the reason why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, if I'm right, a friend loves at all times and there is a brother who's, who's made for adversity. Who's made for adversity. A friend loves it. Not at few few times. At all times. There's a, a, a poem, no? Meaning, when you really, really are faced with a calamity, see who your true relative is. When you are really faced with real pressure from all sides, see who your true friend is. When you are going through poverty, you will know the true nature of your wife. Who your true friend is in adversity. Where there is a will, there are relatives. Whenever you are making the will, who is there? Relatives are there. What am I going to get out of this? Understand this. And when they are not given, you know, we see so many movies, right? Where the father comes and uh, he makes the will and so many people are upset. Why? Those fellows deserve nothing. (laughs) They didn't do one thing to to appreciate the father. And when the father is making the will, they are upset now. That they did not get the money, so to speak. Hmm? What does Jonathan do? Took off his robe. In other words, he was saying, you know what? I trust, I see the anointing of God over your life. I'm going to come under your leadership. What a heart to have, isn't it? I remember David Wilkerson, no? Those days, uh, Pastor Carter Camlin actually, when David Wilkerson passed away, in his, uh, in his, uh, what do you call it, uh, eulogy, right? Not eulogy. Uh, eulogy? Yeah, eulogy. Yeah, eulogy. On his memorial service, right? he, was, he was telling him, after, David Wilkerson is a senior pastor. Now, after uh, David Wilson left the church and he handed over the church to Pastor Carter, and several years later, he came back to him and they were having a conversation like a father and a son. No? Okay. And then you know what David Wilkinson told, uh, told Pastor Carter? He said, Carter, speak into my life. You are my pastor now. Tell me, what do you have to say to me? I mean, when I heard that, I had tears in my eyes. I said, boy, what an attitude, man. Who is David Wilkerson? Cross on the switch blade. World challenge. Times Square Church. Millions and millions of people who is impacted through his life and his testimony. I mean, if you can compare David Wilkerson and Carter Conlon, we see from the outside what comparison. What can we compare? But you know what? Look at the humility of this man. It's amazing. See, that is how we know... When a younger person is preaching and the elder person, uh, other, person, other elder people are there, I see it so many times. I've seen, no? When I went to some, uh, recently, uh, not recently, a few years back, I went to a, uh, to a wedding uh, function, meaning wedding ceremony, marriage ceremony. And uh, one junior pastor and the senior pastors were there. Junior pastor was asked to share the word. And you should see the countenance of the senior pastors. What will this fellow, Johnny come lately, will say? The defiance on their face. 
And I looked at it and I said, Lord, may I never be like that. When a man who is younger than me, who is more anointed than me, comes and preaches, let me come and sit at his, under, his, under him and learn. Because it is not he who is speaking, it is God who is speaking. And because we do not have any, uh, what you call, titles and positions now, our positions are decided later, not now. Amazing, isn't it? What a friend. He didn't say, what a friend I have in Jesus. You know what he said? What a friend I have in Jonathan. He didn't have Jesus. He had Jonathan. Many of us will not have Jesus. I mean, we'll have each other. In many situations, will we we'll be there to back each other up when we are going through situations and trials in our lives? Is a question. In other words, what he was, what was he doing? He was giving the sword to David. In other words, he was saying, David, you have the right to use the sword against me and correct me whenever, I, whenever, whenever you see I, that I need correction. I give you the right. Because the sword is the word of God. A robe is a robe of what? It's a robe of authority. The anointing. The bow on his belt. And then, look at this next verse. 1 Samuel chapter 23. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day. Bah! But God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then what happens? Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand. Where? In the Lord. This is a friend, my dear brothers. This is how we know that Jonathan was walking in light and not in darkness. Because he loved his brother. He was loving the person who he, whom he perceived as his competition. As the world perceived as his competition. His father said, you know what? As long as the son of Jesse lives, you will not be the heir to the throne. Don't you see that? You know, what was Saul doing? Actually, when, when Saul was going after David, was not, he was showing his anger not at David. He was showing his anger against God. You know that? No, he can't do anything to God. No, I understand this is your anointed king. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do everything in my capacity to eliminate all perceived competition. See, strengthen his hand in the Lord. And he said to him, do not fear. Look at, look at, his, look at his words. Because out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And you know why, why I think these are the words of God? Because the very Holy Spirit has inspired this. It was not, these words are not written by Jonathan. You know who wrote 1st Samuel and 2nd Samuel? Three, three, three authors wrote it. First was Samuel, second was Nathan, and third was God the seer. Three people wrote it. And who, how do I know it? It says in Chronicles. That these are the people who chronicled the life of Saul, David, and part of it, part of Solomon as well. So it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. Because as long as I'm here, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to warn you. You shall be <laughs> king over Israel and I will be next to you. Look at this. In other words, he has no problem playing the second role, second fiddle, no? Because we, as I said, no, our positions are not decided here. Our positions are decided there. Our positions are decided there and it is directly proportional to the positions that we take on this side of eternity. Do you understand that? Even my father knows that. <laughs> my father knows. And what is he? He's after you. But I'm not going to allow that to happen. 
So the two made two of them made a covenant before the Lord and David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his house and this is the last time David and Jonathan are going to meet and you know the next time they're going to meet? In heaven. <laughs> That's it, they're going to meet next time in heaven. That's it, over. These are all wishful words. I wish I will be the next in your command. It has never happens, but you know what? I'm going to protect you with my life. As long as I'm there, Nobody's going to touch you if anybody has to, anyone has to touch you over my dead body. That's what he says. Over my dead body. Look at what it says in First Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter one about David, about Jonathan. Look at what he says. Wow, powerful words. How the mighty have fallen. Verse twenty-five, Second Samuel, chapter one. In the midst of battle, Jonathan, Jonathan was slain in your high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother, Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. I'm telling you now, if Jonathan would have been in his life, what difference it would have been for David. So, love covers a multitude of sins. Covers, covers, hides you. Another way it hides you. James chapter five, 4, uh, first, uh, sorry, James chapter 5, sorry. This is James chapter 5 and verse uh, 19 onwards. Brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him who knows, who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What a word. That's what he was doing, Jonathan. Take the sword. You can use it in my life. You can correct me whenever you want me to. Whenever you think I should be corrected. So that is what it means to be a son of light when you are really, really having this fervent love for your brothers. That's the reason why First Peter chapter 4 will say, the end of all things is at, is at hand, therefore be of sound judgment and of sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent love in your, uh, in, uh, uh, be fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. You know how we correct, how you uh, cover a multitude of sins? By Correcting the others in love. In other words, you have the best interest for the others. Okay. In other words, I know Samuel's Samuel's calling, for example. And what do I do? Whatever it is in my capacity to encourage him and see him that he fulfills his calling. And just not by mere words. By being there. Being doing whatever in my capacity to ensure that he comes to his full potential in my capacity, of course. I can't do everything, but as much as is there in my hand. That's what it says, no? As much as is possible in you, live at peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. Okay, so we are not only sons of light, but we are also what? Sons of day. See, we are not only sons of light, we are also sons of day. What is the difference between, I mean, what is the, why is this ingredient being added over there and being mentioned over there? That's that's something which is very important for us. Let us see. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 onwards and I took it from the NASB, okay? Then God said, let there be light. So God also said, let there be light in our lives. That is how the gospel came to us. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, verse 4 onwards will say. God saw the light, that it was good. And did he stop there? He didn't say full full, full stop. He put uh, a syntax called <laughs> a semicolon. And God separated the light from darkness. And he says, God called the light 
day and the darkness he called night. So when you are a son of light, you are also the son of what? Day. That means what? Once you are created in the light, what should God do? Separate. 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 Separation. Separation. You are just not a son of the light. You are a son of the day. means you are also a separated person. You have become, you are separated from the things of the world and you are being separated unto God. Understand that? So what does it say? In Acts chapter 2, with many words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So what, is he, what did he preach? He preached the gospel. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. And they said, what shall we do, brothers? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Father, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he exhorted them, be saved or be separated from, from this untoward, perverse, twisted generation. And then those who gladly received the word were baptized. Why? Why is this generation so dangerous? Look at what it says about Proverbs chapter 30 has to say something very interesting about this generation. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. That is the generation. Meaning, what is it? What is this generation? This is a generation which has no respect for spiritual authority or any authority at all. Who despise authority. Second, there is a generation which are pure in their own eyes and yet not washed from their filthiness. It means it is a self-righteous. They think that they are the perfect generation. And all the other thing, people are what? Backward. We are progressive. You are regressive. We are liberal. You are conservative. There is a generation gap. You don't understand us. You know what mm, uh, Solomon has to say? What you are thinking already was nothing new under the sun. You are talking about the kind of pleasures that you enjoyed. You fellows have to go to YouTube to enjoy. Solomon will say, I had live telecast. Live performance is right. If you want to listen to some music, you have to go to YouTube and listen to the music. I had people coming and playing music in my hall. You're talking about wine that you enjoy. I enjoyed wine. You, 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 you're talking about women that you enjoyed by watching pornography. I got women in my, in my, into, into my room and I enjoyed 900 people. What pleasure are you talking about? Oh, we are such a advanced generation. In sin. How to sin carefully are very advanced. Exactly. Yeah, that's what, you know, I'm, talk, I'm talking about. I, you go to uh, a campus in North America. There will be a place in the university, Institute for Sexually Transmitted Diseases for students. Why should it be there? Because all students have to frequently visit the STD center to check themselves if they have any sexually transmitted disease or not. I'm talking about the top school in, the U, in, in, in Canada, at least that, that, that's, that's where I went to study. McGill University. It's called the Harvard of Canada. Institute for Sexual... No, no, no. Center for Sexually Transmitted Diseases. And all students have to go there. Visit there. They have regular checkups. To check them for what? STD. But what? There is a generation which is pure in their own eyes and yet not cleansed from their filthiness. I'm telling you, you know, you go to the men's washroom in Canada, in McGill University or Concordia, 
you have vending machine for condoms. Where did you see that? Commit sin? Carefully. Look at this. They are lofty islets and they are lifted up. Proud generation. Papa don't preach. huh? Lord mercy. Who's that? Madam. Madonna. Totally mad. Papa don't preach. Verse 14. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, their jaw are as knives, they devour the poor from of the earth and the needy from among them. In other words, if you cannot win an argument, what will they do? They will shout you down. They will call you what? Fascist. What is that? What is the other word, bro? Intolerant. What have you? They are intolerant, not you. You are tolerating them. How how twisted they are. They are intolerant by calling you intolerant. It's amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean that they don't have the faculties in their minds to to win an argument. They don't have logical reasons as to they don't have the time to think things through. They don't reason. I mean I was <laughs> Okay, so it's, it's an interesting question. Okay, if I were to ask you, Peter, a baseball and a baseball bat and a baseball cost one dollar ten cents. How much? One dollar ten cents. Okay, and the ball costs hundred cents more than the bat. What did I say? Ball costs or dollar more than the bat. How much is the bat and how much is the ball? What is your answer? Excuse me. No, 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 no. Doll, bat and a ball cost one dollar ten cents. Okay, bat costs one dollar or hundred cents more than the ball. What is the cost of the ball? What is the cost of the bat? Ten cents is the cost of the ball and the cost of the bat? Absolutely wrong. You see why? Because you did not think through the answer. This is not a question to test your mathematics, by the way. This was a public survey done by, in the universities, done by Harvard University, to show how people think, do not think deep. Look at the thing. What is the most plausible answer? They will give it. What is most expedient? Okay, think about it later on. Later, if you have, okay, it's a twist question. I see every time some mathematics has to come out. No? You see, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords. They do not have depth in their reasoning. They cannot, if they cannot reason out with you, they will shout you down. They will call you names. That's what we call as name calling. Fascist, Islamophobe, homophobe. Islamophobe. Why are you Islamophobe? Because you are questioning our prophet. Hurry, but look at your prophet. Uh, he is performing sex with a nine-year-old girl. What should we call him? Pedophile. Oh, no, 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 no. He's prophet. And yeah, see, you should see how the liberal media will keep on talking about the prophet Muhammad. They will never call Jesus the Messiah. They will, they will constantly remind you that Muhammad is a prophet. And if you question them, if you question them how they react, 
violence. That is the only answer they have to you, to, to, push, to shut you down. They call you all kinds of names. Please win the argument. No, you are wrong. We answered you. How? By shouting you down. That is the world that we are living in, living in, my brothers and sisters. It's a kind of a world where they do not want to think through. Please do not think. We have an amusement park mentality. Amuse, don't think. That is the reason why we drown ourselves with movies. Especially Indian movies, that fellow will be, dry, will be flying in one shot, that fellow will be flying in the air for several hours. Defying physics only. And we, we will, we will be looking at it and we'll be taking in that nonsense. One stylist, one shot, he will give like that, that fellow will be doing 25 rounds. I mean, which world are you living in? Which world are you living in? And you love it? These are all blockbusters, 100 crore blockbusters. You see? Understand? Anytime any meaningful movie is made, that will go to, get it go to a loss. Nobody will watch that. <laughs> Nobody will watch meaningful movies. Therefore, they don't want to make meaningful movies. See? Look at this next verse. The horse leech has two daughters. What is that? Give me? Give me. My name is Jimmy. <laughs> In Telugu, it's very interesting. Jalaki Jalaga means what? Sakar. Immu, immu. Just give me, just give me. That's all he wants. Give, 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 give. That's the generation. And what does he say? Save yourselves from this twisted, perverse. It's a twisted generation. It's a perverse generation. And third thing, it is an untested generation. They cannot tolerate a little bit of suffering. They think that they deserve. Exactly, entitlement mentality. So, come out of that generation. Because you are a son of light and you are also what? Son of day. Reprove. Have nothing to do. Look at what it says. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 onwards. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light, of fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out what is acceptable. If you are a son of the day or a son of the light, what will you say? You know what? I, my God is light. I want to know what is acceptable to him. That is the reason why we sing, we sing that song. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let it be acceptable to your sight. By the mercies that you have obtained, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice for this is your acceptable service. Acceptable. Hmm? And then how, how, does, how does one do that? Verse uh, 11. And have no fellowship. Everybody, everybody say no fellowship. First Corinthians 15.33. Please somebody read it. I, f- I forgot to put it. First Corinthians 15.33. 15.33. First Corinthians. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts. Good manners. Understood? Bad company corrupts good manners. 
those days, if you spoke one bad word, you know what parents used to do? They put soap in your mouth and nicely wash your mouth. Yeah, chili powder, yeah, chili powder in your mouth. Nice also, yeah, thank you. <laughs> she got she, she got experience, Papa. <laughs> See, the problem is we didn't, we never complained about our parents. We didn't say how wicked our parents are. They were right. One bad word that comes out of your mouth, even by mistake, where did you learn that? Come here, come here. Nicely, they will took rinse soap, you know, rinse soap. Totally caustic. Nicely they will wash your mouth. Now if you say that, Amma, my children are so sensitive. Oh, you, 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 you. How, how rash you are. I mean sometimes we are, I might sound a little harsh boss, I'm telling you honestly boss, it is not good for us. It is not good for us. We are becoming such a hypersensitive generation. Why don't we have the anointing? I'll tell you why. Because you know what? The, the, let the righteous smite me. It will be what? Oil. Anointing. Why don't we have the anointing? Why there's no power of the Holy Spirit? Why, we, why are we not a witness and the light to the world? Because we do not have the anointing. And why don't we have the anointing? Because we do not have the capacity to, be, to, get, to get corrected. We have no capacity to get corrected. And therefore we do not have the anointing. And therefore we are not the light to the world. We're losing our light. We're losing our testimony. We're an untested generation. Untested. Untempered. Exactly. Untempered motor. Ahitophel. See? You don't want to be like that, my dear brothers. Sons of the day. What are they? Come out. Come out. Come out of this twisted, perverse generation. Have no fellowship. Because evil company corrupts good manners. That is the reason why, you know what, uh, God tells Jeremiah, you should not be influenced by them. You should influence them. If the salt has lost its saltiness, it is thrown away. Nobody shines the light and puts it under a basket, bushel. But puts it on on the lampstand so that light is shown to everybody. And how do you do that? By coming out. You know what is coming out? You look at the value systems of the age and you choose exactly opposite to it. This is what the world likes, money. What will I do? I will go exactly opposite to it. That is what we call as real rebel. With a cause. Nah. Because Jesus also in that sense was a rebel. Iconoclast, if you will. All your traditions, I sneer at it. And what are you doing? You are making the commandments of God without effect because of your traditions. That's what he tells. Oh, my dear brothers. Oh, my dear brothers. Let's get out of this generation. Hmm? Look at what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what? Do righteousness and wickedness, or other translations will use the word lawlessness, have in common? Or what? What? Fellowship, light can have with darkness. Separate. Separate. Cannot be with them. You cannot have ungodly friends. 
You cannot have worldly friends no matter how good they are. It's impossible. If you like worldly company, than godly company, I don't question them, I question you. How you, a son of light, are comfortable more with darkness. Tada! Simple. What does is, what is David say in Psalm 16? As for the saints in the land, sanctified ones, separated ones in the land, they are my, in them is all my delight. Not just a little of my delight. All my delight. These are, these are the saints. Understand that. Okay. Sons of day. Sons of night. It's not sons of light. Sons of lights are also sons of day. First thing is what? It talks about separation. Second, uh, you know, this touch not touch no unclean thing. I'm not going to go into the details. Uh, walk as children of light. What should we walk as? Children. So how do you, what, what, does it, what does it mean to walk as children of light? Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> uh, sorry, uh, wait a second. Yeah, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercies, uh, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the mind, letting, allowing the light of God to come into your mind and keep on changing and changing the way you think. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. Walk, practice as children of light and as son of day. That is the first thing. This it is, it, We talk about the message of separation. So there is no separation, you are not a, a son of light. Okay, If you are a son of light, you are also the son of day. Because God does not just make light and call it good. He also separates. Other translations will use the word divide light from darkness. There is a division. And what divides? The sword of the word of God divides. Those who accept the word of God in their lives. That is getting divided. So the sword of the word divides meaning what? Whose rule are you coming under? Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 16. Then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Which light are you under? The greater light or the lesser light? If you are really the son of the day, what will you do? You will come under the rule of the greater light. And who is the greater light? <laughs> we'll say Jesus. <laughs> word of God. That is the that is the greater light. The sword of the word of God has separated us. And this is the one book which rules my every decision. Hmm? Understand? Romans chapter 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have what dominion? Meaning why? Because I'm ruled by the greater light. Sin shall not have dominion over me, for you are not under the law, but under grace. How does it happen? How does it happen? How does it happen? Look at the next verse. My favorite verses. And for the 2,565th time, if I'm right, I don't know. If prove me wrong, if I'm wrong. Okay. What then shall we sin? What, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know? That whom you present yourself slaves to obey. Who rules you? Does the light rule you? The greater light rule you or the lesser light rule you? He doesn't say darkness rules you, isn't it? <laughs> what rules you? The lesser light. And what is the lesser light? It is never constant. You know that? Once in 14 days it keeps on changing. <laughs> it is never constant. Lunar. 
from which we get the word lunatic, mad fellow. Because, ka chand, <laughs> rule kar rahe tumhe, that fellow will change, keep on changing his light. One day he's full, one day he's blank, one day he's half. His standards are variable. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father of all light in whose there is no shadow of turning. You know what the word for shadow of turning is? There is no parallax from which we get the word parallax error. There is no parallax. Any angle you look, it is the same. Constant. Greater light, lesser light. Isn't it interesting? What does Jericho mean? Ruled by the moon. Hmm? Moon city. That's what Jericho means. Yariko, Yara means teaching. Yariko means the teaching of the lesser light. Okay, we'll come to that later on. Just let's. Don't you know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that once you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, and therefore. But God be thanked. Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered to. You were delivered to doctrine. The doctrine was not delivered to you. You were delivered to doctrine. Who rules you? The doctrine rules me. This rules me. This rules me. And all those who live by this and preach this, rule me. Okay? Just this rules me and I don't have teachers. No, 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 no. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. This is all nonsense otherwise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive. What did I say? Obey. I didn't say. Word of God. We don't know who wrote this. Thank God. <laughs> okay, Hebrews we don't know. Okay. It will not exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> okay. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch for your souls. In other words, rule those people who watch over your souls and feed your souls, who bring the light of the word of God to your souls, who transform your souls. That is the reason why, you know what Paul tells Timothy, watch your life and watch your doctrine by in doing so, you not only save those who listen to you, first you will save yourself and also those who listen to you. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You have carefully followed my pattern of life. My doctrine, my persecutions, my all these things you followed me. He tells that he tells that to uh, that to Timothy. Therefore, obey those who have rule over you. That is the reason why he says in First Peter chapter five, to the elders as a fellow elder. What does I say? What does he, what does he say? Take care of the flock of God. How? Not for not with compulsion, but willingly. First, not for the sake of filthy lucre, but Generously, third thing, not as being lords over God's flock, but as examples, leading them by as example, so that when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. That is a crown which I also want, okay? I also want, I also want that crown. I also, me also, <laughs> like children will say, I also, huh? Okay. Watch over your souls as those who must give an account. 
Okay, you are a son of the day. You come under rule. What do you, what do you come under? Rule. Otherwise, you are unruly. Hmm. What does unruly mean? You don't. You are not under any rule. Mm-hmm. You are unruly person under the realm of witchcraft because rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. You are under witchcraft. I don't care what you think about yourself. You are under the influence of the devil if not the son of the devil. And I say that categorically. If you are offended, sorry. The word of God is salty. Hmm? Then, Luke's Gospel chapter 10, Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from <laughs> you always go down from the greater light to the lesser light, right? Jerusalem to Jericho, and what will happen to you? You fell, you fall among thieves, and what does a thief come to do? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. What is Jericho? Lesser light. What is Jerusalem? The greater light. What does Jerusalem mean? You know what Jerusalem means, right? The teaching that brings what? Peace means what? Perfection, completeness, wholeness, wholesome words. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, you have pa- you have followed the pattern of wholesome words that you receive from me. A pattern of wholesome words that you receive from me. Wholesome teaching. Complete teaching. Teaching that not, not only rebukes, but also comforts. Teaching that also not does not only comfort, but also exhorts. You understand? It's wholesome. It's a complete package. For the for all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that a man of God may be what? Complete, perfect, shalem, peace at peace with God, with himself, whole. Otherwise, what happened? When you go from the greater light to the lesser light, you fall among thieves. And what does thief do? Steal and strips you. First of all, he strips you, he makes you naked in the spiritual realm. You don't even know. That's what he tells. God tells the Jesus tells the Laodicean church. You do not know that you're wretched, you're blind, and you are what? Naked. Because you came from what? The greater light to the lesser light. And where am I now? I'm not even inside your church. I'm outside your church knocking. Who rules you? It's a, it's, a, it's a teaching of separation. It's a teaching of authority coming under the authority of the word of God and coming under the authority of the teachers who preach the word of God and who care for your souls. Okay, I don't want to go much more into this. Otherwise, what happens? Don't get offended, right? John's Gospel chapter 6. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again <laughs> to the mountain alone. Why? You want my miracles. You don't want my teaching. And therefore, I will refuse to be a ruler. I will refuse to be a ruler. But what happens? He comes down and those fellows will come uh, running after him and say, where have you been, Messiah? Rabbi? Not Messiah. Rabbi. And the Rabbi starts teaching now. Ah, I know. I know why you came. You wanted to make me forcibly as your king, but I refuse to be your king. You know why? Because you have not, you have received my miracle and not my teaching. I do not want to be a ruler as long as you do not receive my teaching. Look at what happens when he starts teaching. <laughs> what happens? Disciples have a problem, not the crowd. Okay. He, well, Luke's Gospel chapter 19. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed a king and then return. 
verse 14 but his subjects hated him sent a delegation after him we do not want this man to be what our king in the middle there will be a servant and to them he says be my servants occupy till I come we will come to that later so what happens the moment he starts teaching from that time many of his disciples went back <laughs> and walked him walked with him no more we know why because he said unless and until you eat my blood and drink my I eat my flesh and drink my blood what is that teaching the teaching got really tough and they refused so what is teaching what is what is they first separation second rule third 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 i'll complete this with place today's teaching with this john's gospel chapter 9 verse 4 i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night is coming when no man can work in other words god has got a specific work for me and if i'm a son of the day i know what work god has appointed me for and i have to find that and i finish it that's the third thing first thing was what does day mean the teaching of separation second thing what teaching of rule and third thing what knowing what your purpose for your life is doing the work for which god has appointed you for if you do not do the work that god has appointed you for you'll be opposing yourself you may be efficient but you're useless hmm? understand i can stop here because if we go into the depths of this it'll be a little more so we have first part we looked at today if you want to be prepared for his coming there'll be an environment of false peace and security apart from god and if you want to be sober in that environment where there's false peace and security there are five attributes that you have to adhere to first is you have to understand that you are a son of light second you have to understand that you are a son of day that is what we looked at today then take third you're not of darkness not of night we'll come to that later or maybe we'll just look at it briefly and then we can stop that is one thing which uh, uh, maybe we should we can look at it let's just let's look at one verse uh, was one was maybe 65th slide okay slide number 65 first corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 your glorying is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump look at this purge out the old leaven that you be may that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened what are you truly unleavened is there an is there a there should should there be any leaven in your life no what are you truly unleavened this is not what you are in christ what, what should you therefore do purge out the leaven that's the teaching you are not light i'm sorry darkness you are light therefore what should you do take away all darkness all which is of sin from your life and you may be a new lump therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven not with the leaven of malice or wickedness but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth where there is sincerity and where there is truth that is what we call as guilelessness okay you are not in darkness you are not in light you have a open heaven for this is a true israelite in whom there is no guile 
And what does he tell to Nathan- what does he say to Nathaniel? Nathaniel, you will see the heavens opened and you will see the angels of God ascending and descending. Okay, on that ladder. Who's that ladder? Jesus Christ himself is the ladder. And who are these angels? Angels are the teachers of the word of God who take you from one level of glory to another. You know why? Because you are a person who is guileless, I'll be able to teach you. And because I'm able to teach you, God is going to take you from one level of glory to another level. Amen. Amen, amen. Very important. Very important. One teaching that we need to constantly keep reminding ourselves. Lord, let me come under the rule of your word. Let me not be unruly. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. We are living in times of uncertainty, but there is one certain certain thing that will never change. The ancient of days, a person who will never change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Your standards will never change because they are eternal, because you are the eternal God. You are the eternal God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that, we ne- that you never change. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will continuously allow the Spirit of God to work His way in our lives so that we come, we make more of our life come under the authority and the rulership of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. To that end, I pray that you'll bless us all and prepare us for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, the French Bible, how does it address God? The Eternal One. Eternal Dieu, the Eternal One. It's amazing if you read the French Bible. The Eternal One, the Eternal God, the God who never changes. His standards are forever settled in the heavens. His Word of God is forever settled in the heavens. Amen. Let's all bring our lives under the rulership of His Word. Amen.